Welcome to In the Village, a Prisoner Introcast. This episode will be talking about many happy returns. But uh, my name is Shane, and he is back. Rover's my goodness, he is back. Rover's fixed for now. <laughs> Welcome back to the podcast, Aaron. Salutations, everyone. However, one one leaves, one arrives, and another one leaves. So John's not gonna, was not here this week. It is in surprise. It's also works fault again. Yay! Yeah. But to say, what have you done to him? What have you uh, done with him? Uh, nothing. Nothing at all. I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. Wait, does this work for international law? Uh. Um. Answer the postcard, please, and we'll give you the email address at the, at the end of the show. <laughs> but we are joined by our returning guest, returning guest even, Sergeant Drano. Hey, hey, how's it going, guys? Doing very well. You might want to make Aaron take his glasses off. He, he might actually be John. I mean, when one's here, the other one's not, so... I'm not, I'm not saying I'm John, but lately we haven't seen each other in the same room at the same time. I'm just saying. Ah, so even you suspect. Yeah, that's possible. Maybe he's like I, an alter ego of, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, so. Uh, do, you smoke, do you smoke black cigarettes? Or... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, anyway. I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> you want to tell everybody, uh, Mr. Drano, uh, where everyone can hear you on the internet? Well, let's see. Uh, we have a, a Facebook page. Uh, we have a podcast. Uh, our podcast is called uh, Station 7, The Door, and we are on iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook. Uh, we've got a Facebook group and a, just a regular page. Uh, also by looking for Station 7, The Door. And we're sort of a Dharma Initiative-themed podcast. Uh, we started out covering Season 6 of Lost back when it originally aired. And we've been going on uh, more or less ever since. Uh, when we're not doing other things, we continue our rewatch of Lost. And we just finished up covering The Walking Dead, which we do whenever it's currently running. And their season just finished up last week. Uh, I think we might possibly do a rewatch of Z Nation, which might be fun. Um, so anybody who's interested in that sort of thing, uh, let us know. Uh, give us a holler. And our show is a call-in show, so you can actually call in and be on the podcast uh, Anybody who wants to can be on our podcast. Excellent. I start, as always, with the TV war synopsis. And it says, It seems as though the village has died. Suddenly the prisoner finds himself alone. The first time he sees the real promise of escape. There is no one to stop him, no interference as he builds a raft, and still no one on his guard as he pushes out to sea and freedom. But sea is now the enemy. Something about a sea and enemy? What? The sea, the sea is now the enemy. Oh. And that is it. That's where it stops. Wow. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. That's... Well, they don't want to spoil it. I suppose this is true. Yeah. So... Pretty much. Uh, we start with uh, number six waking up out of bed. Well, actually, I have a question or two even go, before go ahead. this. <laughs> Something uh, that's oh, I've always wondered about, the opening sequence that we see every episode... Uh, the scene with all those filing cabinets, where yeah. the, the thing comes along and drops into that. Um, do you have any information about that? Is that like an actual place? Is that something they built for the show? I mean, it looks like maybe towards the end it might turn into a map painting in the back there. But uh, yep, I was just kind of wondering about... It, hmm? is for, it is a false perspective shot. Uh-huh. Uh, and that is basically it, really. It's definitely a false um, perspective shot. I think the first... 
without looking, without directly looking at it. I think the first, I don't know, 15 to 20 are real, and the rest of them uh-huh. are, you know, a painting. It was just built for the show. It's not like an actual uh, yeah, I believe real so, yeah. thing. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I kind of figured, but, uh, I mean, like, okay, mechanical arm comes down. I could, I could see a mechanical arm that drops things into drawers that open automatically, but I don't really know how you know, what's in the drawer, how that could separate at the right spot for the thing to drop in in the right spot. So, heh. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the uh, opening bit where we don't see number two this episode, or you want to deal oh, with yeah, that no, later? Yeah, no, thought of that. Actually, yeah, we don't see number two in this episode. It's a shot, shot of Rover, I believe, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> in the stock voice. Yeah. And so, well, obviously that doesn't, so we don't get a spoiler of who number two is at the end of the episode. <laughs> yes. Just imagine if they put Mrs. Butterworth right there, ruin the entire <laughs> show. Mm-hmm. Um. No stock female voice. No, exactly. Well, I guess that would spoil it too. Indeed. Indeed. I wonder if, uh, when was this episode filmed? Because maybe this is where they first got the requirement for having a stock number two voice. Uh, I can tell you actually. Give me a second. It was a, it was originally uh, aired on the tenth uh, November nineteen sixty seven in the UK. Uh-huh. And, okay. Uh, so if you give me a second, I can get you the. Well, what? I guess to really answer the question, we'd have to look up uh, when every other episode that uses that stock voice was filmed to see if this one. Uh... Was filmed before and any of the well, other no, ones. Well, that no, used actually, well, no, well, this is actually because the prisoner was filmed in two production blocks. Uh huh. And this was the final episode of the first production block. Okay. Um, yonks before uh, the prisoner started airing. I think it's, I think this wrapped up filming about a month or so before it actually started airing. Do uh, how many episodes were in the second production block? Was it split like Habsies, or no, were there four uh, episodes? No, it, no, it was the four in the second production block. Only four, okay. Thirteen on four. Okay, so this is almost certainly not the first episode filmed to use the stock voice. Definitely not. Interesting. Okay. Oh well, it was an idea. Shot to hell. So much for that theory. Yeah. <laughs> so he wakes up. And uh, he turns the kettle on. He turns the shower on. Or does he? <laughs> and he realizes there's no water. It's amusing to me that he turns the shower on and then he turns the sink on, but he doesn't immediately realize the shower is not running. Yeah. Yeah. Turns I, the I sink on. I, I think it's one of those things where you just wake up and you're just dead in the days, you know, and you go, oh, yeah, I'll just do this, do that. Uh, oh, hello. Yep. He also doesn't try to turn any lights on. He just, I mean, I guess it's pretty well lit apartment, so he doesn't need any light. But. Yeah, plus it's the start of the day as well. So, you know, you've got all the natural sunlight coming through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um, so he goes outside. And it's a ghost around, town. And there's nobody around at all. So he gets I want to get some stripey pajamas like that. Big old stripes on them look like jail bars. <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be good, wouldn't it? And uh, well, actually, I forgot. He actually tries the phone, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He does the phone, and there's no dial tone, no nothing. Yeah, yep. the classic rattle the receiver thing, because that always that totally works. <laughs> and he, he gets dressed, has a wander around uh, the deserted village, finds a, a mini moke, and yep. he decides to drive off. Well, actually, actually, no. First, 
first of all, he goes into the Green Dome. Yep, yep. And then he tries to, he uh, breaks and enters. Yep. Doesn't he? You, you, you I was for- a little surprised that, oh, uh, you first, Aaron. I was going to say, you forgot, you forgot the wonderful, ah, oh, I finally can just go ring the bell for no reason, I'm going to go do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm a, I was a little surprised that he did that. I mean, if it were me, if there was nobody around and I was a prisoner who wanted to escape, I don't know that I'd try to ring the bell right off. I might do some more sneaking around first, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> um. Uh, then I was, go, sorry. I was surprised how I was surprised how easy it was for him to push open those doors to mm. the green dome. Mm. Maybe they're magnetically locked or something. Maybe when the power is off, they're they're not hard to open. Possibly. I switched to a fallback right that fallback rail system so they can at least be kind of easy opened. I guess you know, kind of like automatic automatic doors now. If in result of power outage, push doors open. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah. village was ahead of its time. I suppose it was. And then uh, he decides to uh, get into the mini moke and drive off. Stare at the majestic mountains. That I... <laughs> and there was a deleted scene around here, which we've already seen in, in the series. Him chopping the, the, the tree chopping? No. No, no. Deleted scene. Uh, deleted deleted scene that we've already seen. Uh, you remember way back in Arrival? Okay. Uh, we did... They, um, and when he takes off, when number six takes off at the end of the episode? Yes. Vaguely. And With his in- electropass. Yeah. And the interior shots don't seem to match up with the exterior shots. Um, interior shots. shots. You mean, uh... Interior shots the, of him most trying of the to interior take off shots, Most of the interior shots is just uh, the camera looking up at him with some blades spinning around over his head, right? Yeah. But they don't seem to match up because suddenly there are fences and trees in the way where they weren't there before. Oh, hmm. Not to go back and look at that. It was a deleted scene actually from this episode where number six finds a helicopter and tries to take off in it. And he gets mm-hmm. about three or four foot off the ground before he realizes there's no fuel in it. Oh, no fuel in it, okay. Yeah. So he literally rises up and rises, goes straight back down again. I think I'm glad they deleted that scene. Yeah. But they used the internal shots of him trying to take off in Arrival. Mm. Uh, eh, might as well use the footage somewhere and make it seem believable, yeah. I guess. But they did have the helicopter scene in Arrival already, right? I mean... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as, as I said, this would, this would film... Ooh, this would film uh, at least a good three or four months afterwards. Mm-hmm. Because uh, this was... Because um, a lot of the footage that we've all, well, all of the footage we've seen already was filmed um, in Port Marion in one put, um, production block. And they went back to film scenes for this specific episode. Oh, wow. Huh. And, and I've seen all of it. Oh, so they'd, uh, so this, the, the only time they went back to Port Marion to film some more was for this episode? Yeah, and, and a few other um, random shots that they, they didn't pick up. Oh, wow. But of all the um, location-heavy shots, um, episodes that we've already seen, like Arrival, Checkmate... That was all um, done at the same time. That was all done at the same time over a period of, I think, um, uh, four four or five days at least. That's amazing. And they went back to this several months later. That's why um, it doesn't seem... That's why it seems to be all sunny in all the shots that we... in all the episodes that we've seen, but this is quite overcast. 
I like I really like the way how different everything feels. Mm. All right, we see uh, number six looking at all those ma- big majestic mountains. Yep. Now, I like uh, that kind of confirmation uh, from the map of your village. You know, it's got mountains, mountains, yeah, mountains. The mountains. <laughs> kind of like that he actually finally gets to drive up there and they do look exist. for a way through, and there's not. <laughs> yep. There's not one. Yeah. And then we see number six is uh, woodworking skills again when you check yeah. in the freezer. Complete with the uh, jungle prisoner music. Yeah. And a real axe. Where do you get a real axe from? I don't know. Uh, places. You got them from places, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all that oil at the oil drum. He got it from the same place that uh, number 12 got that nerve gas gun from. That works. So, but the environmentalist in me in 2015 sees all that oil coming from the oil drum. It's not even oil. It's just really, really dirty water. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That works for me. Uh, he, then, then he picks up quite a few items from the shop. Yep, yep. Um, camera films and accessories. Um, surprisingly, they, they've decided to put camera films and accessories out on display at this particular point in time. Why? I'll get back to that in a minute. <laughs> I love I love how I love how he he just writes the I O U still on the countertop with a question mark. Yeah. Yeah. Just 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 in case people aren't actually missing and disappeared. <laughs> he may yeah. be hell, he, being held against his will, but he's not a savage. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will definitely get back to the um the strain the fact that they've decided to put cameras on sale at that exact moment. Okay. <laughs> That's a thing for later. Um. <laughs> Then he decides to put the raft off, the raft off, and he sees the cat. Never trust that cat. After, after, never, yeah, never at, at this point, you think he would never trust that cat. <laughs> never do. So, do you think you should have uh, killed that cat, Aaron? Since it saw him. I wouldn't escaping. say. I wouldn't say he should have killed it, but you should just taken the stupid cat with him. Just take the cat with you. Just to throw it. Well, that could betray him even more. It could betray him even more on that raft. I would just think he would have tried to avoid the cat or something. Because every time he's trusted the cat, the cat's always just left him anyway. If he takes the cat with him on his ship, next thing you know, he's going to have an alien sneaking around, killing him one at a time, and the cat's there in league with it the whole time. Just like Alien. Yes, indeed. Uh, so he, so we see him at sea, and yeah. he starts to write himself a little diary. And takes Go the camera it. film and shoves it in a semi-waterproof bag. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe he stuffed that bag in a, an extra waterproof place. Yeah, he he makes him um, a compass. That was cool. That, that was very that was very very cool. What's really funny is is you can kind of tell that they weren't really out to sea when when he's putting the compass together for a minute because you can see the bottom of the of the water. Yeah. In that shot. Oh, you can. Yeah, wait, right right when he's um he hmm, he, make, he makes he makes he he rubs it over the electric you know the magnet in the back of the speaker yeah. puts, uh-huh. puts yeah. it on the thing. And then, yeah. give me a second. I'm actually watching this in live time. Uh, so, but like right, right as he's mounting the pencil and over the the jar with the water, you, and you can see the water just behind it. You can see the bottom of whatever they're sitting that raft uh, that raft in. Okay. Although I guess it makes sense if you're going to make a compass to navigate open water, you do it before you got too far out. Right? Well, yeah, but the ne- the preceding next shot, he's already far out to sea, is what I'm saying. I mean, that unless, was a flash uh, forward. I guess we want to do a flash forward, sure. <laughs> Yeah, cause um, yeah, cause they had a, bit, a few problems with the raft, shall I say? Gee, I can't imagine I what problems those would be. <laughs> well, they decided they were filming it uh, in the middle of um, the Irish um, Channel. Irish pirates. 
Indeed, indeed. And um, they were involved in a bit of a storm. So how they filmed it was they uh, tethered the raft to the filming boat. And because yep. of the, the uh, storm, the boat was actually, the raft was actually dragging the boat down. <laughs> <laughs> and they, some, someone, not mentioning any names, but someone forgot the life jackets. Yeah. Why aren't you mentioning any names? Because I don't know them. <laughs> when in doubt, blame the interns. It's always their fault. <laughs> this would have been their job to remember the life jackets. Yes. So, um, yeah. So they had to cut the so they had to cut the raft free. Uh, they got back to base after seven hours. Uh, they rang the police and the coast guard, saying that, that we've got this eighteen by eighteen foot raft out there. Um, something's happened. You know, this has happened. And if no one's careful, this could actually puncture a hole, a hole inside of a boat. <laughs> the police and the police and the coast guard weren't exactly pleased. Uh, after an extended search, they couldn't find the boat anywhere or the raft anywhere. And as far as I'm aware, it's still out there somewhere. It's probably <laughs> joined the hundreds of miles of ocean waste, but at least it's wood. It's somewhat biodegradable. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible uh, oil drums. <laughs> yeah, yep. about, about that. Let's hope they were actually just filled with dirty water. <laughs> Indeed. I do like that raft. It uh, seems well pretty practical. I mean, yep. it didn't seem like it didn't seem fake. It seemed like something somebody would could really build in, yeah. in a situation like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, number six writes day eighteen, so it's been out there for quite a while, and he just passes out, <laughs> and then he is. Uh, found by uh, what we find out uh, to be German gun runners, or are they? <laughs> or are they? What? Yep. That's always well, the question. Uh... Or are they really this? <laughs> I will get back to that in a second. Cause there's a lot of evidence melting up here. That boat yeah. looks oddly familiar. I'm just saying. They might be Nazis. <laughs> yeah, that boat that we that you saw was the same boat that we saw in Checkmate. The Emil Spalatska, whatever it was called. The HMS Spalatska, yeah. HMS, wow. Or the MS, I do apologize. The MS with Oscar. <laughs> My ship. Okay. Yeah. Um, Should we just call the VS Village Ship? <laughs> the boat would, in reality was called the Brinda, and at the time owned by North, North Wales residents, Mr. and Mrs. Harold and Marjorie Beer, who would pay... Were they ten German? Yes. <laughs> who would pay the promise sum of £10 a day for the use of the boat. Wow. Wow. That's a great deal. Well, it seems like it by today's standards, anyway. Mm. During the war years, the boat was used to evacuate troops from Dunkirk until it passed Mr. Beer in 1958. Oh, cool. These days, the boat is in, now in, in private hands in Teddington, and in 2012, <laughs> it took part in the Queen's Jubilee celebrations in the Thames in London. Yay! <laughs> they should rename that boat, uh, Boat 120C. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Sorry, it took me a while to get that one. It's, it's, it's got to be the whole. It's got to be the whole. Well, I guess it can't be the whole line. It's probably registered somewhere else with some other name. But yes. <laughs> so yeah. So uh, the German gun runners, or are they? Uh, find yes, find probably. the boat. They push number six into the sea. Who realizes at the last minute? Wait a minute! I'm being messed with. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, I think he was kind of just playing dead because. Well, no, he 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 does wake up when they like kind of kind of when he first get there I, 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 I they show a, sh a scene on his face yeah, and his eyes kind of kind of notice yeah 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 and then he just kind of and then he kind of he kind of and he's kind of uh I'll, I'll play dead and then right as they shove yeah. him that's when you really see his face go up oh, gotta wake up 
Yep. <laughs> and we see uh, the two, the uh, the Germans. Uh, don't mention the war. <laughs> yes, I mentioned them once already. I think I got away with it. Uh, they're getting some food. Yep. They pay very, very close attention to the cans that the food are in. Yeah, Would village you food. Eh? Village food? Yes, indeed. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they, they took, they, I mean, they did take the stuff off of his raft. Yeah, it's his food. They took his food. Yeah, they took, like, he, because he had took all that stuff and put it in that box, and they, they take that off the box. They take what they want off the raft before they untie it. And that's, where exactly. I'm, that's where I'm assuming they're getting it from. Possibly. Yeah. Or, and the evidence is mounting up here, or... <laughs> First of all, the shop. Yeah. Um, first of all, the shop is suddenly selling cameras when they didn't before. How do you know they didn't before? Well, we never seen them before in other episodes. How many? How many times have we actually so? seen that shop though? Well, that's like twice. <laughs> True. True. <laughs> True. But bear with me here. Second of all, and um, second of all, it's the same boat that we've seen in Checkmate. Well, that's because the BBC only has so many boats they can use. It's ITV, not BBC. <laughs> I knew what I meant, and I said it wrong. <laughs> the production studio only has so many boats they can use. Yeah. <laughs> and third of all, they suddenly... Isn't that bloody good timing that he finally got to London on his birthday? If he was still on that boat, he would never have got there in time. So they had to have got him there somewhat double quick. <laughs> um, why, would the, why would they care about getting him to London on the day before his birthday? Well... I always thought this particular episode, and I'm, I'm jumping around a bit over here, was, you know, to let him out on his birthday. <laughs> because that's what they do. Yeah. They're not well, com- let's, let's follow. They're benevolent. Let's- they're benevolent jerks. They're not complete and total a-holes. <laughs> so let, let me follow uh, this line of thinking, Shane, if yes. you will. Okay. Uh, so you're saying that these Germans may be village agents. Yes. And that when they take number six's supplies and push him off the raft and start to drive their boat away. Actually, they're not going to drive away because they actually want him to sneak aboard, take them both out so that he can get closer to uh, the mainland before uh, they get loose and start shooting at him with their gun. So it was more deniability. <laughs> like I said, this entire episode's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> It makes it somewhat makes logical sense. Uh, it's uh, I mean I mean it it's <laughs> it's it 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 is I it I'll, I'll I'll agree on both sides. It's a bit of a stretch, but again, as we get later in the episode, you know, when they're doing the whole island search, obviously that he does get ejected and dumped back in the village. So it does bring up the question that I think didn't Nutty put a commentary or something about who's were or or the guys last week? I haven't. It's been a while. Mentioned the idea of that the village is run by the same group that these people come from, just to see if they can integrate back in society or something. Didn't somebody make a comment about this a couple in the past couple of recordings or something? I think you are insane. I mean, I am nuts, but this is this is (laughs) this is someone else's commentary. I swear it was (laughs) Uh, that they were uh, theorizing that the village was run by what number six's people. British intelligence, or I, I think what are you saying? It might have been. I'd have to go back and listen to the previous podcast recordings. I swear somebody was making that comment. I swear they were, but I could be nuts. I mean, that's always a possibility, too. You want us to, like, wait while you go do that? No, that would take way too long. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, but there was the other episode where number six thought he escaped 
in the right. Yeah, in the boxes, and he John's he, Big Ben. Yeah. Yeah, and he thought he was you know in the hands of someone he could trust, and they were in cahoots with them the whole time anyway. So that's, that's true. That's true. But of course, in that situation, him being a high priority prisoner, in actuality, they pretty much had custody of him the whole time. He was in that box, and they you know they were with him the whole time. They took him wherever they took him, and he ended up back in the village. This this journey that number six goes on in this episode seems infinitely more dangerous and risky <laughs> than what he was subjected to in Chan's Big Ben. You wouldn't agree? That's true. I'm just it's it's an, I mean again this whole episode's a conspiracy theory. Shane's already started. Let's just go full out. With it. Why not? <laughs> uh, I'll I'll be the voice of uh, reason. I mean the devil's advocate then. Okay, that works for me. And I'll just play both <laughs> sides back and forth. <laughs> okay, that, that's fine. Anyway, any, anyway, gun runners. Go, go, go. Take it, please. Take it. Um, uh, of course, these guys are speaking German, and at one point they turn on their radio, and I can never quite make out what's over the radio. I'm assuming it's more German. Has anybody tried to uh, translate that? I've never tried translating it. Sorry. I'd be very interested to know what was being spoken on the radio. I suspect it's nothing consequential, but I'd still be interested to know what it was. I just want to say, for a box full of guns, it's not very securely hammered down if you can open it with two prize of a claw hammer. <laughs> well, that falls into my conspiracy theory, then, doesn't it? I don't know. Does it? <laughs> Maybe they're just not very <laughs> well, successful gun were, runners. Well, if, yeah, if they were professional gun runners, they wouldn't... They would hammer it down um, properly, and if but they are pretending to be gun runners, they're not going to do that, are they? Because they'd be wasting time. <laughs> fair point. Fair point. Or maybe when they took on the Especially, cargo, sorry, they opened it up to do an inventory to make sure that it was everything was there it was supposed to be, and then when they hammered it back down again, they just didn't hammer it all that strongly. Since I mean, who's gonna? Why would they expect somebody to try to open up their container? On their boat out in the middle of the ocean. Or, on the other hand, <laughs> or on the other hand, it could be. Um, it should, I can see. I can see it as. I can. This is a conversation um, that number two would have. Oh no, he's not going to get there in time. Okay, launch the boat. Launch the boat. We don't have much time. Launch the boat. <laughs> how would uh, How would number two know that he wasn't going to get there on time? How would number two even know where he is? Well, maybe the boat's just been following him at a very, very long distance. You don't think uh, number six would be able to spot it? Not if they've got a tracker on the boat. So the boat that number six built from scratch with materials he himself found or cut down with an axe has a tracker on it? Um, I mean, those oil barrels the, clearly Where did he get the camera from? Where did he get the camera from? He got it from the store, but how would they know he would take that camera? Well, they just put trackers in all of them. Like trackers and all the cameras out. Oh, they why not? They take any camera. <laughs> because they know number six. They have his file. Exactly. <laughs> we should just rename this episode the Conspiracy Theory Podcast episode. <laughs> the Prisoner Conspiracy Theories. Yes. All right. So where where were we back to in the in the in the we description? Were Germans. Germans. We were Germans. He's sneaking up. German radio. <laughs> snuck snuck aboard yeah. a boat and we hadn't gotten to him lighting a fire in the pan. Yeah. With yeah. what I'm assuming got- is just cheap alcohol. German vodka. Possibly, yeah. And uh, he makes put a distraction and he takes control of the boat. Yep, At yep. this point, we're 20 minutes into the episode and no one said anything so far. This episode well, has been completely... Unless you count German. Unless you count the German radio, yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. No one's spoken in English so far. <laughs> unless you count Schnell and Nugget Steuer. Are those even said? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. They when the smoke comes up, uh, one guy goes, "No, uh, <laughs> which is something like fire quick or something. Yeah, quick, yeah. Uh, quick fire or something. I I want to say that that when he takes over, he, he, when he takes over the ship. I have the biggest complaint ever about how he takes one of the guys out because that's not how you do it. That is not a proper <laughs> chokehold at all. At first, I thought he was snapping the guy's neck. He does this move at the very end where he kind of does this little jerk thing. I'm like, whoa! He just popped his neck, but no, apparently, no, no, he just, uh, kidney shot, kidney shot for good, for good measure, apparently. <laughs> and uh, ta- Gunta, we say Gunta's name. There's, there's another thing that was said. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, Guntor, and uh, I forget the other guy's name. I know it's in the credits. Uh, I've got the credits in front of me. I Ernst. Think. I think it's Ernst. Uh, it is Ernst. Yep, yep. Ernst and Guntor. Yep. Uh, but he takes control of the boat. Yep. And uh, Guntor and Ernst um, get out of uh, their cabin, cabin where number six has locked them in. Yep, yep. And then... Really cool, really cool music while this is happening. This is that spy theme again. This is, I think this is the longest version we get of it. Yeah, and then uh, number six knows the game's up and jumps into the sea. Fist fights, and then he gets shot <laughs> out very poorly by by a German pistol. Indeed, it falls, into, it falls back, that falls right back into my conspiracy theory. The fact that he was being shot out very very poorly. <laughs> this is where I want to. This is where I want to say the following. Shane, have yes. you have you ever fired a handgun one handed? No. Okay. Let me explain to you. You, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say you, you at least understand most people shoot a handgun with two hands, correct? Yes. There's a reason for that. The oh, kickback boy. on a pistol for most people, unhanded, even with your dominant hand, that thing is still going to jerk, and you are going to be so off target that I don't care who you are. You're not gonna hit anything shooting one-handed, regardless of how little recoil your pistol has. Unless you're really close, or you're a cowboy. Yes, unless you're, unless you're John Wayne. <laughs> Probably not John Wayne. At this, at this <laughs> point, I will say, don't you just love the Second Amendment? Don't you yes, love gun, yes, gun, do. gun physics in, in movies? Yes, but that's a whole different <laughs> rant for a whole different podcast, I'm sure. If only he had been holding that gun sideways, gangsta style. Oh, yeah, gangsta. <laughs> he checked the brass right to and his face. And then, yeah, yes. And then... Um, oh, 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 I have another go, go. comment about this uh, fight scene. Go, go, take it, please. Uh, be- before they uh, pull the gun, uh, there's this one point where uh, number six is struggling with uh, – what, what, what? what? The, the wood block on a rope? Uh, yeah, it's right before that, I think. Where, where number six uh, has number got his six... hand on, his, on the guy's face? Yeah, 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 and he, like, picks him up by his friggin' face and throws his whole body over down on the deck. He, like, And then gets I mean, booted in the face. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the scene, though. I was just, uh, I mean, I guess Patrick McGowan's a pretty strong dude, because I was impressed that he was able to pick that guy up like that. Oh, we will talk about that later. <laughs> Not in this episode, but later on. What? <laughs> oh, this is, this ought to be good. We're setting up so much stuff. Maybe he actually kicked the guy's ass or something. We'll talk about that, and we'll talk about something about that in the future episode. All right, so we've had the fist fight, and he and wakes I'll up chat with you, the... I will chat with you about this Sergeant Drano off-air after we finish recording this one. Oh! <laughs> All right, so number six maybe. wakes up on the beach somewhere yeah. without that, too that many beachy moves. head. Yeah, it looked like he had beachy head. When he stood up, his hair was all <laughs> crazy looking. Uh, no, that's, that's, that's a, yeah. Uh, an actual... That's a... <laughs> 
Uh, no, that's a beach. That's uh, a place off the south coast of England. Mm-hmm. We get to see what Patrick McGowan's hair looks like when he doesn't have any product in it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then he uh, meets some Romanists again. Is, which uh, the- is that like uh, that uh, um, uh, lighthouse that we see in the shot uh, where he wakes up at? Is that like a is, is that like a known lighthouse? Uh, yeah, really the lighthouse. There? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Recognizable and stuff. Yeah. Cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think like your average British guy, if he washed up on the shore in that spot? Would most British people know where that was by the lighthouse, or or might he not know where he is? Probably not know where he is. Okay. Uh, I don't know about international variations on lighthouses and the color scheme of a lighthouse. Okay. So uh, so so the Beachy Head Lighthouse is not some well-known British landmark or anything. Uh, it's quite well known, but whether you know a lighthouse, if you see a lighthouse, you wouldn't necessarily know where you are. Is what right. I mean, unless it's a really well-known lighthouse, like like the one, exactly, like the ones on like, like the I Beachy think, Head Lighthouse. I was I was gonna say the ones on like Cape Hatteras over in North there Carolina, yeah. but that's because those are you know giant freaking landmarks now at this point. It's true. But I the the way the way I, I I don't know if most people pay attention to lighthouses elsewhere unless they're a designated like landmark in whatever country they're a part of. Mm. So basically, it's it's not unreasonable that Number Six could wash up on shore at Beachy Head and still be not know where he is necessarily. Possibly, yeah. Okay, good. Possibly, yeah. Good. Uh, then he uh, meets some Romanists. Yep. Uh, and we're still we're 25 minutes into the episode and we still haven't heard any English yet. Wait, 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 wait! But it's coming up. He's gonna ask for a road. Where is this? And a road, I think. Where is this? <laughs> yep. Which is also not the first words, but some of the first words spoken in Arrival. Mm. I think it said like his second or third line of the series is "Where is this?" Yeah. To the lady at the cafe. Yeah, something like that. Now, are those uh, Romanies? Uh, are they speaking like actual Romany? I'm assuming or, they are. I'm not. A, I'm not a linguist, so I'm gonna go no, on. I'm, I'm gonna go on a limb and assume yes. Okay. Uh, we've got... It'd be interesting to get a translation of that to see if they were trying to sell him a caravan or bet on some dogs. Well, she seems to be more berating the guy for what, who is he. And, yeah. yeah. And then trying to offer him the... the Poison or something. The, the drink. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, uh, originally, as scripted, uh, he rode on the beach by the lighthouse... Yeah. Uh, number six woke to a final swarthy individual with a shotgun, and another yeah, and another younger man. Number six asked what country he was in, as a young woman appeared, calling uh-huh. out to the men in Romany. The, num- the men escorted number six to the caravan site, where he said he needed to get to England. The woman then spoke in broad Cockney, saying, "Just uh-huh. as well then in it." <laughs> That's where <laughs> you're the at. Reveal. <laughs> <laughs> That's the reveal. That's pretty good. Yeah. And I like that the caravans were involved in one version of this. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's what's, uh, what's Swarthy mean? Hey? What, what's Swarthy mean? I'm trying to remember. Swarthy. S-W-A-R-T-H-Y. Yes, I know how it's spelled. What does it mean? Oh, sorry. Uh, I suppose you could describe it as... Oh, uh, I'm You're to... looking it up, aren't you? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> I'm not quite sure how to des- describe this with, with to an American. <laughs> I, I, 
Does it mean dark complected? I feel like it means dark complected. It does actually, yes. Ah, well, that wasn't hard. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's literally the Webster dictionary version of it is dark complexion or cast. What well, what did you say, my wife? Oh, uh, melanistically gifted. Okay. Okay. I guess that's one way to say it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, back to the episode. We've got uh, number six. Playing hide and seek again. In in the uh, yeah. Skipping off down the hill. Yeah, and where we see a where we see a policeman on a roadblock. Yeah, and and we get the Bobby reveal. I guess that's that's the main thing that tells you where he is, where we see yeah. the hat. Um, before we get too much into the dialogue parts, I was gonna say that uh, I felt like the music in this episode was extra noticeable. It might be because there's not much dialogue. Yeah, we need, really... we, yeah, we need to create some sort of tone. We don't have any audio, any vocal, <laughs> anything to. I really liked the music in this episode, though, and maybe that's just because I noticed it more because there wasn't as much dialogue. Yeah. Because it's not really anything different, I don't think. It's the same stuff. Yeah. You may continue. It's definitely more noticeable. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more noticeable. Yeah. Um, Hide and seek, roadblocks, barbed wire. Nutco. Yeah. And Wait, then barbed wire? Running, into, uh, running into that van. Who suddenly... Who, um, another bit of the conspiracy theory here. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's gonna be doing it all episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He suddenly finds himself in the centre of London. Of all the places that vehicle could have gone, the centre of London by Marble Arch. <laughs> okay. You know, so precisely you think... where number six lives. Uh, no, in the same city that number six lives. <laughs> well, England is tiny. Tiny. It, it, it kind of <laughs> is. <laughs> Um, so, so you're proposing, Shane, that the uh, number six, the 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 truck that he just happens to choose to run up and jump in and hide inside is a village agent. There's a lot of there's um, all I'm saying is there's a lot of coincidences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all I'm saying. <laughs> okay, you can't deny that. Uh, coincidences is exactly what I'd call them. <laughs> Wait, so you're not denying them then? I'm not denying that they are coincidences. That is correct. <laughs> um, oh my goodness. Yeah, so uh, basically... I love, yeah. the, I love that scene where he jumps out there and, and he's all of a sudden in traffic. It's a great yeah. scene. Uh, a couple of places that, he, that we see in the episode are... Um, as I look at my notes, and I've suddenly gone on the wrong pages, but mentioned uh one of them already i think yeah uh, marble arch marble Uh, arch yeah wow pretty descriptive name there i'm guessing it's an arch made of marble uh there's the wellington memorial that would be a memorial made of boots uh memorial for the duke of wellington ah sir arthur wellesley yes yeah uh um stag place then we see him arriving at home yep stag place stag place is named because it's got big um big stag British people. <laughs> um, uh, I remember when I first watched this episode, it, I didn't realize initially as he's walking down the street, you know, I didn't realize he was going to his house until you see the doorway up there. I yeah. thought that was a nice little, a nice little surprise the way they lead up to that. Yeah, he, he lives in, um, he lives at Buckingham Palace. Buckingham Place. But yeah, I, was say, I don't think he lives at Buckingham not, Palace. Probably not Buckingham Palace. <laughs> yeah, number one, Buckingham Place. Mm-hmm. 
And, I mean, all you see in the show is that there's a door with a one on it, right? I mean, you don't yeah. see that it's Buckingham Place. I guess that's a real-life thing, or what's the yeah. deal there? Hmm. Yeah. yeah, SW1, and, uh, give you a bit of uh, thingy. Um, a bit of thingy? <laughs> uh, it had, building itself had very occupants over the years and currently hosts the Royal Warrant Officers. The Royal Warrant Officers? Oh, no, Officers. The Royal Warrant Officers. Yeah, old. O double F I C E S. So is it a government building? I believe so. Was it a government building back then, or was it a private uh, apartment? Uh, I would as- I would assume. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Had various Uh-oh. occupants over the years. That's, what, that's that's a direct quote. Various government occupants, maybe, maybe. Uh, not. True, but in the, but saying that they're in the in the um, in the sixties. Yes, yes. You know, it could it could quite easily be uh, private. Could be, could be. Um. Especially, uh, with the, especially with the, especially the fact that it, it, it was a single, um, it was a yellow, ro- um, a yellow line road, and there was not. Oh, okay, okay. I don't know what that means. Okay. Oh, sorry. A single. Uh, if you look at the road, yes, there's a single yellow line running all the way down. Okay. Which means you can own, you can't park there between the hours of uh, 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Okay. And now that they have now these days they have gone. They have the yellow lines are gone. Yeah. So you can park there between yeah. the hours of whatever and whatever. Mm. So does that mean that uh, number six's car got towed away every day? Possibly. <laughs> that seems like a real pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, oh yeah. Uh. So that that particular door is that is that actually number one Buckingham Place or did they yeah. stick a one on there for? No, that is actually number one Buckingham Place. Oh, cool, cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, when I walked past it myself, uh, yonks ago, uh-huh. uh, they had scaffolding all the way around it. Ah, they were updating it or repairing something, or uh, possibly. Something. I don't. I don't know what they were doing. Mm. I, I was. I would. I just happened to be in the area and I thought, oh, hello. <laughs> wonder where that is. Oh yeah, this is down here. Ah, just have a wander down. You should have gotten a picture taken. Uh, stick it up there on the site. I should. I should have. I should have done. I actually. I shouldn't. I never thought actually because I. I just had a couple of arrows to kill, so I thought, why not? I have a one. Yeah. You should. Uh, you should uh, get some pics taken of you at some of the various uh, other places from the opening sequences. Sequence. That would be cool. That. That's true. I mean, well, we'll get to that in a second. Actually, I'll get to that in a second. Actually. Um. Uh, well, not right now. You don't have to do it now. You. <laughs> No, 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 no. I will get to other locations in the opening sequence in a second. No. Oh. Uh, Not literally, though. No, 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 no. Uh, he, but he goes up to the door of uh, number one Buckingham Place. Yes. And he sees the maid. Yeah. The maids come and they go. Yeah. And uh, he gets quite a rude reception. Well, what would you think of a guy this scruffy looking as him just comes and instantly asks who your master is? Like, yeah. how how is she gonna react to that? No product I, in his hair. Dude's I, half I, crazy. I, I didn't say it wasn't the incorrect response. I just said it was a rude response. <laughs> he was being sexist, assuming that her boss was a man. That's true. That's very very true. And now we hear a familiar roaring of an engine behind, and we meet Mrs. Burtworth. That was so cool seeing the car drive up behind him. His reaction to it was good too. It certainly was. Now, is that the same car from? Uh, I mean, literally the same car? Or is this one of the situations where they had to get a different car because they didn't have the, the uh, original one again? No, it was a, it was the same car. And actually, this was sequence was actually filmed on Sunday, the sixteenth of April. Ah, nineteen twenty-eight. Uh, nineteen sixty. 
when was this from? Uh, 1967. Aha. But uh, Mrs. Butterworth takes kindly to our number six. So, uh, Aaron, did uh, Mrs. Butterworth look familiar to you? Oh, yeah, I never thought of this. Uh, not through a first walkthrough, no. <laughs> I, uh, you, got, you might remember this from my feedback for A, B, and C, but Mrs. Yeah. Butterworth is the lady from his, his final dream, which gives him her earring and tells him to bet on number six. She's sure it'll be his lucky number. And... I am of the opinion, because he was influencing that dream himself, that that episode should actually be set after this one, and that he sort of put her in the dream for whatever reason, I guess because that was a very uh, <laughs> impressionistic thing, I suppose, that he went home on his birthday, and Mrs. Butterworth was there, and she turned out to be you-know-who. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, Mrs. Butterworth uh, invites him in. And then we see the inside of um, Number Six's house for the first time in his front room, which obviously looks yep. like his um, front room of his uh, apartment back in the village. Question. Answer. Uh, they... W-H-Y, question mark. <laughs> 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 question. Um, uh, when they first abducted him from the village... Yes. They put that uh, mist through the door handle. Which yes. is totally okay. how door handles are done, but okay. Okay, but we well, find that that particular keyhole. door is actually an interior door, not on, not an exterior door. Yeah. Yep. So did they go through the front, did they unlock his front door, or did number six not lock it up behind him? Even when nobody locks their door in the middle of the day, obviously. Yeah. Not in England. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, I mean, I think it should be clear that that door isn't an interior door, period, because it's not the same shape as the actual door that he goes in, you know, to the outside. So, obviously, to get to that door and put gas through it, you would have had to get through the, the exterior door first. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember when we, in the opening sequence, when we see the Undertaker dude get out and go up there, do we see him go in or do we just see him walk up towards the door and then we don't see what we happens? We see him walk up to the door and then it goes to the inside where he's throwing stuff into his bag. Yeah. Okay, okay. So did he, so did he break, so did he break and enter or do, or B, did the village agents have their own key? I just assume he never locks um, his door. I would assume, I will, I don't know about never locks his door, but I would assume that he didn't lock it in this case because he just got home and he's in a big hurry. I mean, they, he's packing in a bit. <laughs> he's packing really fast. He seems to be in a hurry to get out of there. So I think he just ran in and started packing, and the guy just walked in after him. Okay. I just thought I'd put that out. Sure. Um, but uh, we uh, see... Uh, number six eats all her sandwiches, <laughs> uh, and then num- uh, Mrs. And Butterworth. the fruitcake. Oh yeah, that's true. The fruitcake as well. <laughs> Forgot about the fruitcake. And then the, uh, Mrs. Butterworth very very kindly that's number six have his car, uh, or have his car, or have her car, depending which way you want to look at it. You can borrow yeah. it as long as you well, fix that stupid overheating problem. Yes. Well, before we get to that point. Uh, Let's address the fact that she asks him what his name is. Oh, yes. And he gives her a name. What are your thoughts on that, Aaron? Wait, what? Is that, is, 
His number six is named Peter Smith. She asked him what his name is. He says no, his name he, is Peter Smith. He, he obviously made this up on the spot. You can see him fumbling with trying. I think he did. The way he's fumbling at trying to come up with something relatively believable on the spot. Well, to- think about this, though. Think about this, Aaron. He's trying to prove to this lady that he was the previous occupant. And one of the things he wants, he asked her to do, which he does, is pull up the lease to see if his name is on it before hers. And if he's trying to prove that he was the previous occupant, uh, wouldn't he then be expecting for her to see his name as the previous occupant? Well, and I don't, then th- I don't want to give her. That, that's assuming she's looked at who the previous name was. I think he wants to see proof of the fact that you know he was. I I, I still think he's making up the name just the way he fumbles with with a name when someone asks, "What's your real name?" Because I I know for a fact there have been that I that when I've been asked my name before and I know I'm lying about my name uh, truth I've lied about my name a few times <laughs> I've done it I'm not saying why but I've lied about what well, my your real name is your real name is John no 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 my real name is clearly Mark um <laughs> no your your real name is <laughs> no, my, my real name is redacted. <laughs> Your name is Peter Smith. <laughs> I just, I think, I think the fact that he picked something so generic as Peter Smith is not as <laughs> obvious as John Smith. I still think he was making it up on the spot. Okay. Whereas I think that if if he's trying to prove that he actually did live there, giving her a fake name and then pulling out, uh, you know, the lease and showing that, oh no, you're not, you're not there. This this is not the name that was there before. <laughs> I think that defeats the purpose he was going for. And I think the reason he pauses, reason he might be pausing, is simply because he's not sure how much information he wants to give this person because he's borderline paranoid at this point. He doesn't know who to trust. Um, now that being said, I don't necessarily think that Peter Smith is his real name. Uh, it could just be the name that this apartment was listed under while he was living there. Because if he's a high-level intelligence guy, I could see, you know, the residence that he stays at so, not necessarily. So, being... so you're so you're saying it's maybe not necessarily his real name, but it was the the operation name he was given by the company. If assuming that the government or whatever group he was working with was the ones paying the lease, and he was just the name of the occupant. Occupant. Precisely. Okay. That line of logic I could follow. Yes, I could. I could see where that. But I still don't think it's his actual, actual name. Okay. Well, uh, clearly his actual name is John Drake. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly. Possibly. I'll say one thing. uh, Another thing that occurred to me during this particular uh, scene, she mentions, Mrs. Butterworth mentions that her uh, dear departed husband was named Arthur, which made me think of Arthur uh, Fothering Guy, um, the guy from China's Big Ben. But I suppose, uh, I suppose if that was her husband, she wouldn't be Mrs. Butterworth. She'd be Mrs. Fotheringay. So probably not. Possibly, possibly. Um, but we see um, number six drive off uh, in the road, ooh, in ooh. his car. Yep, yep. And then we see uh, him driving past uh, the House of Commons. Yep. And through into that, t- and through down in that tunnel that we do in the opening sequence. Yeah, I have. Before you get much further, I got something else. Another question I want to pose to you guys. Okay. Um, and Shane might know what this question is. Um, when number six is preparing to leave, uh, initially before before she gets him to stay at uh the night and gives him the car in the morning, he says he's got to make two important calls, two important calls, one in the country and one in town, and we don't get to see what the one in the country was. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, I thought that was interesting. 
that they put this in the script for some reason, but we don't get to see what it was. And I don't think there's any kind of deleted scene that talks about it either. Anybody have any insight or thoughts into that? Apparently not. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Um, like, where's he going? <laughs> like, where, where's he going? Like, I, I'm trying Apparently to, under, I'm trying went, to understand, like, what, what, how, what do you mean by this? Is what I'm trying to figure out. Okay. Well, apparently, from what he tells Mrs. Butterworth, he, he's not going directly to the office. He's going somewhere in the country first, and then he's going to the office. But we, wherever he went in the country, we don't get to see what that was, which I think is interesting. I wonder where that might have been. Wonder what the other stop was. Interesting. Uh, there's nothing in the deleted scenes I've no. got in front of me or anything in the script that was deleted. Weird. Any thoughts on it, Aaron? Or, I, I mean, there's just so little information to go on, it could be anything. Yeah, I think it's just so little information. It could. I mean, it could be, I think, um, the the call in town is, you know, when he's the guy at the desk, you know. And yes. then And then in the country is, I could be... This, the next scene where he's there with the colonel and because that 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 building there and it looks like it's you know not necessarily in town it looks like it's out out in the country but that's that hmm. could just that could just be shooting in the dark at this point that he's going to see uh, the one guy there in town in the office and the other guy the colonel out at whatever place the colonel has hmm. i don't know i i kind of assumed that was at the same location when he's meeting with them but we don't really know we know at some point well no i don't I don't think that could be it, because how he hasn't he doesn't know who he's going to end up talking to once he gets to those offices or what they're going to really do with him. I mean, heck, they could grab him and throw him in a small room and interrogate him for hours. So I don't know how he could possibly know beforehand that he's going to end up at some other country location after he goes to the offices and talks to uh, Thorpe and the colonel. I always thought, especially, I mean, he says one in the country and one in town. So my takeaway was... The country stop was first, and we just don't get to see what it was. But who knows? Food for thought, fodder for fan fiction. Possibly, possibly. But we, um, but we're talking about the bit, the few locations now. Um, he goes past the House of Commons, and he goes into the car park. Yep. When I was at the House of Commons myself, only what eighteen months ago now. Uh huh. Uh, I was at uh, the car park. It's literally just a short walk away from the House of Commons. Oh. Literally about a two-minute walk. So you're saying geographically he must have like driven around the block a couple of times just for fun before he went down in there? Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Now we also see him. We also uh, don't we get a repeat of the shot from the uh, from the opening where he's, he's coming down that long straightaway? Do we get that again? Uh, or do we not? I can't remember. I can't remember myself actually. To be honest with you. Maybe we don't. Maybe it just goes straight to. Uh, I think it does. I think it just goes straight to kind of a a shot of him, uh, the new footage of him actually driving the car with the the clothes he got from Mrs. Butterworth. Uh, possibly, yeah. Um, but we see. Um, ooh, ooh! Before we get any further, <laughs> sorry. I have another note here. Um, a clue as to how long he's been gone at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when he's trying to demonstrate that he knows all about this apartment and stuff, uh, he mentions a dry rot that was made good 12 months ago. So clearly at this point, he has been gone less than a year since yeah. he had some dry rot repaired in his apartment. Yeah. And of course, we mentioned on this week, the, uh, last week's Times episode, he meets the gentleman behind the desk, which of course is George Markstein. 
<laughs> Got a really good look at him this time. You do. A lot younger looking than he looks in the wide shot. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, I would go further into that, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a long, in a, what, a fair number of weeks' time. Okay. Uh, but we see, um, we're introduced to his uh, long-term friends. Well, one of them knows and the other doesn't. Well, that's true. The Colonel, Colonel James, is definitely a long-term friend. Yeah. Thorpe apparently never met him before. Mm. What did you think of these two guys, Aaron? Uh, they you get... Continue. What did you continue? What, what, what did you have any feelings about him? Uh, considering like he ends up back in the village and stuff. Uh, I if think he had to put money on. I don't think either of them are are in league with you know any of whatever who runs the village. I think that uh, they're just extremely like they're he's known them forever and they're willing to help him, but they're also you know extremely skeptical of the fact that dude you disappeared and then uh, you came back. And now you want uh, us to believe this story that's so ridiculous that it's impossible for us to believe. But we be- we know you <laughs> as our friend, so there has to be some truth to it. So I think – I don't think – at least I don't believe there's anything there personally. I, it, it just – it seems that he's trusted them for too long that it just makes little to no sense to me that either of them is involved in the village in any way. Yeah. Well, it seems like Thorpe's never met him before because uh, when they're on the runway, Thorpe's like, interesting fellow. And the colonel's like, he's an old, old friend who never gives up. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. The colonel definitely seems to want to believe number six. Mm. While Thorpe is sort of continually sort of very skeptical and questioning and sort of dubious about the evidence that he's got. You know, a set of photographs from ground level (laughs) of a holiday resort. (laughs) Yeah, that did that did make me kind of question. Why didn't he take any photos of any of the stuff inside, you know, the Green Dome number yeah. six area? Why is he only taking external shots? I mean, I guess that'd be the easiest to to mm-hmm. to see in a search pattern, but you'd think he'd take some stuff, you know, of the interior operations yeah. at some point. The only thing I can think of is he, he that maybe he just took the he when he, when he got that camera, he was kind of on his way out. He was just about to leave, and he was like, "Oh, a camera!" And then he goes around taking pictures. So maybe he just kind of did that as an afterthought. And just didn't think or wasn't inclined to take any more time to go back up into the green dome or something. I don't know, but that's a good question. Possibly. Uh, but we see a quick montage of shots about them corroborating number six story. Yep. <laughs> and at that point, uh, we decide that... I thought it was thought it was interesting that Mrs. Butterworth is wearing uh, the same dress we'll see her wear uh, when he's back in the village, too. Hmm. Right, and that kind of implodes the same day, doesn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, then we see um, uh, they get a search pattern going. Yeah. And then uh, we see a milkman. Yep, the pointer man. Yeah. Pointer man is strong. Which, is, which is, in my opinion, is obviously a village agent. Well, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's much of a... I don't think that's much of an opinion. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, it's really. I thought this was pretty subtly done. I've I've, I've occasionally encountered, pe- encountered people who never really realized that the the pinta man is the pilot at the end. They didn't yeah. realize that there was a switcheroo that happened. Yeah. Did you catch it, Aaron? I'm I'm assuming you did. I missed I missed something. What? <laughs> I was I was I was off reading something else unrelated to this right now. So I missed, <gasps> yeah I I try and multitask. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. <sighs> 
Um, the uh, the Pinta Man that uh, we see at the start of this uh, scene at the airfield. Uh, I sometimes I encounter viewers who never realize that that's the guy who uh, is piloting the plane that uh, dumps Number Six back in the village. They don't realize that the the pilot there was a switcheroo there that the milkman went in and replaced the pilot. Did you catch that? Um, let me. Kind of subtly done. Very subtly done. I I mean I noticed the Pinta Man, but then I didn't think anything of it afterwards. I don't think. Like, yeah, that's I, actually. Yeah. I, I, I saw him go in and. I didn't think anything of it really because at that point I was kind of like he's going back to the village anyway. There's this this the way this series has been going, he's going to be back in about ten minutes anyway. <laughs> well, I think it's pretty important that the 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 actual pilot isn't the guy who flies him back to the village and dumps him in. That yeah, that this agent has to be has to infiltrate in and replace that pilot. Yeah, in order to get him back there. I think that's yeah. that's a good clue. I think. Yeah. And am sure. I correct? Am I correct that there's a deleted scene where there's a an encounter between the Pinta Man and the actual pilot guy? Uh, or maybe a scripted scene that wasn't filmed? I'd always heard that. Uh, let's have a look. Give me a second. Um, give me a second. I've got a ton of um. <laughs> while you're while you're doing that, I'll okay, say I really liked. I really liked the way uh, they sort of logically deduced the general area where the village is supposed to be located. Yeah, that, that I enjoyed that. I mean, I'm not a. I've, it seemed to make a lot of sense. I oh mean, yeah. If I had to, if this this seems like where it actually probably is, especially if Number Six was sort of tracking stuff on his maps as they flew him back to it. Does I, this seem like its actual location? Would you say? No. It the 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 based on you know the best assumption math you can get. It it's uh-huh. it, it it's it's pro it, it is possible and it's very very true. Um, the closest thing I've had is uh, uh, what is it? Chart maps. I, I did it when I was in uh, ROTC uh, Naval ROTC, and uh-huh. based on that, it's it's similar. But that the point of those is to figure out where you are in relation to other ships on the board, mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. this takes that similar math and kind of applies it. And I'm not a huge math person anymore, but I uh-huh. I did. I appreciated that scene, and I'm like, yes, this is totally possible. It's really, yeah, I, I enjoyed that scene, and it's based on the fact that the Admiral and them know yeah. exactly how currents and all that can work, that it would be within yeah, yeah, this yeah. this bubble radius. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've just had a quick check, and I can't seem to find any reference. Huh, wow. Sorry. Weird. I want to point out... That given that aerial shot, though, there is no way there are any mountains near that thing. Given, <laughs> given that aerial what? shot they do of the village, yeah, when, uh-huh. they, when they're in the plane and he looks down and 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 he sees that's it, that's the village. There's no way there are any mountains near that thing. I don't know. It looked kind of mountainy to me. <laughs> no, I mean, no, they do, they do, they're doing a, a, several different sets, and he's marking possibilities. But yeah. then, then he does uh-huh. that one shot. That shot yeah. at on the daily motion video, it's at forty six twenty one, okay. and, and you see it. There's based <laughs> on the geography everywhere else, mountains are where. There's it just it doesn't seem possible that there's mountains anywhere near there at all. And particularly given that we've established the village is a small little place based on the local service only and the map they have the pretty generic map that it maybe takes them five minutes to walk anywhere even to like the mountains it, it's uh-huh. it just looking at that island from the aerial shot it looks like there's no way that there's any mountains at all the geography of the map of the village uh, can't be right hmm. 
But he drove his buggy up there, and we saw mountains. I know we saw mountains. I'm just saying the the aerial shot doesn't necessarily correspond with other other bits. I mean, I I had the same I had the same argument way back in Arrival that he's running through one set of woods and suddenly he's in another set of woods. <laughs> this okay. is this is this is my beef thing when when shots don't necessarily line up with the continuation shot. That's that's kind of my little my little quirk that I I've been catching a lot on this entire series. Okay. And I'm just maybe I'm I'm complaining over something probably at this point that's small and pointless to complain about, but it's just something I'm <laughs> noting that it's like it doesn't link if if you think upon it, it doesn't this does not match up with this. It's like it's like my gun rant with physics with gun physics in every western movie. Guy gets shot from shot with a, from a shotgun 15 yards away and goes goes back 20 feet. The physics aren't there, but <laughs> but it's just one of my weird movie video things I I catch on and that's been my this one was the really kind of big red exclamation point of no, it doesn't work. <laughs> you guys ruin movies for you know, yourselves. That's not that I, I, I piss people off with somebody's <laughs> rants, but they do it to me too. So I'm like, no, shut up. I haven't had my rant today. You can't have your rant today. <laughs> Shane, I uh, found what I was uh, talking about. Okay. Uh, it is from the official Prisoner Companion book. Okay. And there's a section that says, uh, this is exactly what happened in the original script. In fact, in the original script, we are introduced to the character who is going to fly the aircraft, and we are privy to a scene in which the milkman and this pilot confront each other. If this had been completed according to the original script, we would have no doubt that the actual p- airplane pilot is different from the in- intended airplane pilot. I don't know. I don't think there's any doubt anyway. Uh, <laughs> the, I will g- I'll give you what I've got in front of me, if that's okay. Ooh, what you got? Uh, as I left the hangar, that is uh, the colonel on the number six, uh-huh. uh, the milkman entered the kitchen out room where Lynn was still dressing in his flight suit. Mm-hmm. It was when the c- group captain and the colonel who watched number six and what... Uh, it, w- it was then the group captain and the colonel who watched number six and what appeared to be Lynn flying off in the RAF fighter. Okay, that, that basically sounds like what we saw on TV. Yeah, but we didn't actually see him enter the... I'd, uh, the milkman never actually entered um, what we saw. Okay. He went up to the door, I... but never actually entered. Okay. Well, well I don't know. I mean, he, that's, that's the direction he was going in. <laughs> yeah, that's true, but we never actually <laughs> true. But how many milkmen go inside the building? Uh, I don't know. That's some kind of British thing. You tell me. Yeah, we, how many don't. milkmen they go leave, inside they, the building? They leave the milk outside, usually. Oh, okay. Because Out in the heat. <laughs> well, look, well, the milkmen usually uh, deliver around about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning. Ah, okay. You guys still have those milkmen? Uh, not many, as far as I'm aware. Oh, awesome. <laughs> um, but they but, deliver, uh, deliver that time in the morning for A, so the milk doesn't get warm, uh-huh. and B, so you can have a fresh pint of milk with your morning uh-huh. coffee, over your breakfast, etc., etc., etc. And C, Madame Angadine. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed, indeed. Back, back to the episode. Um, uh, we see number six, and they found the village. Yep. And the milkman says, be seeing you, and he ejects number six out of the uh, plane, and he lands on the beach, and there is nobody, there's still nobody around on the village. The village is still deserted. <laughs> Seemingly. Yeah. And he goes back into his apartment. The water suddenly turns on. The radio turn on. Yeah, everything yep. turns on. Yeah, and suddenly there are people in the village. And that damn cat is back. Yep. Well, the the cat is actually right where it was when he left. <laughs> With that broken cup, it's still sitting right in the same spot. Well, no, the cat's actually inside his, apart- his apartment this time around. Oh, um, 
maybe I'm, but I think when he first gets up after hitting the beach with his parachute on, I feel like he looks around and the cat is oh, where sorry. it was. And then the cat comes in when number two comes in. Yeah, you're, you're right. Sorry, you are, you are right. So I apologize. So it's clearly to maintain this illusion, they must have glued the cat to that table. Possibly, yes. <laughs> uh, and then we, we have the big reveal that Mrs. Butterworth is indeed number two. Da, da, da. And he says many happy returns. Gives him a cake with six candles on it. Indeed. And uh, that is our episode, apart from the fact that we uh, cut to the outside and we see a lot of people walking around. Yeah, lots of good and that music. Is actually, yep, that is actually a shot from Dance of the Dead. <laughs> I was like, I thought it looked familiar. Yeah. It's too bad with that they didn't extend that episode just long enough for us to see number six turn around and punch Mrs. Butterworth right in the face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Throw the cake at her, maybe. As always, as I bring them up, as always, here are the foreign um, versions. Uh, in French, it was called The Return. However, the French translation uh, moved uh, number six, uh, moved the date of the episode from number six's birthday mm-hmm. to June 18th. Okay, why? I have no idea. Did uh, they do that for the pilot, too? Because nope. otherwise the birthday cake makes no sense. They didn't. <laughs> well, they are French. Yes. Uh, in German, it was it was actually called Many Happy Returns. Now, in the German version, what language did the German guys speak on the boat? I have not got a clear. All I've got is foreign language uh, foreign language titles in front of me. Probably Romany. Yeah, in it's, in Italian, okay. first of all, it was called Return Home. Sim- simple. Yeah. Then it seems to be called Hundreds of These Days. Huh. Then it was changed again to The Return of the Prodigal Son. <laughs> Which is practically a line from uh, Chimes of Big Ben, actually. Yeah, it is, actually. You're right. Uh, but that is our episode, unless anybody else has anything to say. Nope, I got nothing. I got a few things. No. Take it, please, please, please. Do this. Um, just a, things that I didn't think of as we were coming through. Um, the Romanies bit uh, reminded me, I thought it was kind of interesting that when Number Six is talking to uh, his superiors about the, the Romanies, and they're like, who are these guys? And Thorpe's, Thorpe says they were gypsies. And number six corrects him and says Romanies. I thought that was kind of interesting that it seemed important to him to get that right. Um, let's see. A couple of other things on here. Uh, oh, uh, I thought it was interesting the way at the beginning and at the end, there's like tables and chairs turned over. It kind of looks to me like everybody left in kind of a hurry. Things or are they, in kind of a disarray. Or they purposely set it up to make it look like a disarray, you know, we're just if we're going to continue this theme. <laughs> this, 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 yeah. this. Continuing with the theme of this entire episode, they purposely yes. set it up that way. Come on, man. <laughs> uh, let's see. Um, oh, uh, another thing I wondered about is uh, when number six first uh, set sail on his raft, I was kind of curious why he didn't just make for the other shore, the same shore that they – they went to in China's Big Ben. Maybe that's because he knows people over there work with Village. <laughs> but at the same time, I did kind of wonder about that. And I'd also say that based on what we learned on this episode, this episode has to come after China's Big Ben because it come if it came before it, uh, they wouldn't be able to trick him as to the location of the village in China's Big Ben. Um, let's see. That might be about all I've got. Yeah, I think that's about all I've got. That's the rest of my notes. 
But thanks, uh, everyone, for that. And we'll be right back after this uh, lovely ad. We'll be back in a minute. In every generation, there is a podcast where one alone has watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer before. The three others must stand against the spoilers, the synopses, and the forces of DVD commentary tracks. This is Potential Cast. This is Stephanie. This is Kim. I'm Gabby. I'm Illyrio. I see sort of myself in Cordelia. I really like that light for some reason. <laughs> the show does that a lot, and I really like it. About Buffy's a slayer. Don't tell anyone. That's all the information you need. We do have a lot of feedback. Whether you're brand new to Buffy or you're a seasoned rewatcher, come find us at potentialcast.com. Well, welcome um, back. Hopefully, everyone enjoyed that ad. Uh, we've had some tremendously bad news while we're recording this episode. Uh, Twin Showtime has cancelled Twin Peaks. That just, literally just happened Why are we recording this episode this evening um, I am completely and utterly dev- Devastated myself personally But we'll carry on <laughs> You sound devastated uh, But first of all we have an email, uh, Voicemail from our missing uh, Co-host John And I'll play that right now Hey guys, sorry I missed the podcast this week But uh, I did want to leave you With some of my thoughts for many happy returns I really like this episode just go out and say this is probably my favorite episode I've seen so far. I thought the uh, twist of letting him get out and using his own uh, hubris, as it were, to bring him right back to the village, sort of as a we can get you wherever you go kind of feel to it. Although six being six is probably just a strike and sis resolve. I'm disappointed that we didn't get to see any Rover. Um, I thought this, inter- this episode was really interesting, the fact that we had almost no dialogue for a large portion of the episode. I think just the Patrick McEwen's physical acting did a lot to carry the episode. I liked the twist on who number two was. Um, I would like to point out that when he goes back to his original apartment, that the sign on the door is a number one, and I wonder if that's not important for something. I guess time will tell. As far as that goes, I give this one probably a solid nine. Nine out of ten. Alright guys. Be seeing you. Cool. There we go. Thanks very much, John. I hope you're back uh, when we record our next episode. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Uh, next up, we have an email from Harold, and he writes, I'm a sort of a newbie to the prisoner, having only seen one episode. Uh, this one, prior to watching the <laughs> podcast. When I first saw it, I thought it must be the season series finale. It was so interesting to hear in your last podcast that Chum's a big band with the series finale in Canada. An episode which was very similar in many ways. The issue of the proper episode order is actually quite maddening to me. While I was watching Happy Returns, I was wondering why Six was spending so much, so many days at sea when he and Nadia found land relatively quickly during Big Band. Uh-huh. I also I also wonder why, after the events of Big Ben, would, ne- would Six want to approach anyone from his previous agency, and at least not until he was assured of their loyalty. Then I heard your last podcast, and now I don't know what episode was meant to be first. It, although it's not explicit, I'm entitled to believe that Six's former employees are enrolled in the village. If they weren't, I expect they would 
they would have a lot more outrage at the story of it being Harry's prisoner. And there'll be a major search for him after this episode, which I'm guessing isn't going to happen. Mm. <coughs> I am confused by Six's actions. Instead of going on the I am and trying to s- start a new life under a new name somewhere else, he heads back to his old hunting grounds. Before that, he, he sure took his time looking around the village before he built a draft. And when he returns, he heads back to his quarters instead of immediately sending a new, another escape attempt. <coughs> Although he landed in the village, even though he, when he landed in the village, it still appeared to be deserted. Sorry for complaining so much. It was actually a mouthful episode. It's good to see Six back in London, oh so close to him being free. I will give this 9 out of 10 parachutes. Harold. Cool. Yes. Do we want to talk about the order stuff or just go into the next email? Uh, if you uh, we'll go into the next email because there's a few bits and bobs which I can't talk about, which I really want to talk about, which I can't. Okay, all right. Uh, but we've got another uh, email from uh, another John. Yes, this is from John Baylor. John Baylor writes, I wanted to start by saying I'm really enjoying the podcast. And by the way, the first Prisoner episode I saw was Checkmate 2. Many Happy Returns, a unique episode, but not one that really feels integral to the series. There is very little dialogue in the first half of the episode, which we've constantly complained about or mentioned at the beginning of this episode, I'm sure. Complained? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know, know if it's complained. complaining, but it's great. Back, back to the <laughs> review. Is this an emphasis on number six, what it would be like to truly be an individual, alone, not a part of society? Ooh. I uh. noticed when number six first looks outside, the water in the fountain is running, but when he climbs the bell tower later in the episode, it is not. Like in chime, I, I didn't notice that. I didn't catch that. Me neither. That's good. Like in Chimes of Big Ben's, we see some handy axe work and another seaworthy vessel. How long did it take him to make? What happened to the villagers during this time? Did whoever was running the village know Number Six would revive and make it back to London? It seems very unlikely. Why would Six return to his old home? Would Number Six recognize Thorpe if he became a Number Two? I do have a thought in the series that addresses these questions, but I'll save it for Fallout, and that's the end <laughs> of that. All right. So okay, somebody somebody apparently is with Shane and the. In the conspiracy theory camp here, <laughs> I, I suspect the fans are about evenly split as to uh, whether it's his own guys or some other guys. I suspect that. I could be wrong. Uh, That's the end of that review. Am I? Am I next? Are we going on? What's going yep, on? We'll, we'll go okay. With- and the last email we have is from Davia. Archibald. Hopefully I'm not butchering that name too badly. Uh, All right. She writes, (laughs) she writes, she writes, this is definitely one of my favorites. I was stunned the first time I saw it. I couldn't believe he had gotten away, but then felt vindicated that he hadn't got away. Vindicated? It was, it was sad that absolutely everyone was in on it. Another conspiracy theorist. (laughs) How did the people who run the village pull it off? Also, this may be the first episode with no official number two. The woman at the house who has baked the cake on the island never says she is number two. I think she wears a badge. That she has she is two. wearing the number two badge, but we don't, you know, in the opening sequence, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, she, she, she's not explicitly stating, you know, I am the new number two. Yes. Let's see. Uh, she says, I've been enjoying the episodes. Keep it up. Be ever wonderful. Davia Archibald. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, I just want a quick note on that, on the badge. She's actually uh-huh. wearing a black badge. Yes. Have we have we really determined any significance in the difference between a black badge and a white badge yet, or is that just just thought? Yes, yes. 
Black badges are black. Well, okay. White besides, badges are white. <laughs> besides, besides the obvious, Captain Obvious. Well, and I'm sure I'm going to get shot down for this. I'll get my gun ready. Pew, <laughs> <laughs> pew. Doesn't kind of imply people who are have, who wear black badges uh, can leave the village at any time. People who wear white badges can't. Um, maybe based on the episodes we've seen so far. Yeah. <laughs> maybe put a pin in that one, and we'll we'll check that uh, theory out in a future episode. Yes, we certainly will do. <laughs> we certainly will do. Uh, but. Now, uh, but thanks everyone for the feedback. As per always, uh, you can find us at. Uh, for first of all, you can always email us at the prisoner introcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at prisoner intro. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, and you just search for um, the prisoner introcast. Uh, but we'll move on to ratings now. And as Sergeant Drano is the guest. Oh boy. I let you go first. Hmm. Okay. Now I gotta think of a rating system. I will give this is this is this is my favorite episode of The Prisoner. Um it's it's one I did not see uh until several years after I first saw the show. When it, the first time I ever saw the show was on PBS and I only caught like a few episodes and then I managed to tape a few episodes. And but then after that, I had no means of, of seeing any more episodes. Okay, eventually I got you know a couple of them on DVD. So for a long time, I I really had no idea what all the other episodes were about. And in my in my brain, in my wildest dreams, if I could, what I wanted, kept wanting to see on this show is him to actually escape and actually go back to his house and go back to his job and try to find the village and that's basically what he does and does in this episode so to me this was just what i had been wanting to see uh so for me i mean this this episode is a total a fan a fan it, it feels like an episode that was written for the fans it feels like everything that i would want to see happen in the show and they made it happen so for me yeah 10 out of 10 um uh 10 out of 10 oily rags set on fire or the rag set on fire. All right. To Shane. distract German people. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And, That's and so I was, sorry. Uh, sorry, Aaron, it's your turn next. Uh, I, I have, I have mixed feelings about this episode. I, okay. I, I kind of was, I mean, the fact that the entire first half of the episode involved absolutely no audio, whatsoever while the music is enjoyable i kind of sat there confused for almost the entire at least for a good a good couple minutes when it first started thinking okay what's going on what's what's being <laughs> orchestrated what what's being orchestrated that's how you're today? supposed to feel that's how you're supposed to feel every time you watch an episode oh, I, that's not how i feel i mean more so than usual and i'm kind of just sitting here thinking what's what so um and then the, the, the kind of why would I, I I don't feel like I've ever wanted him to go back and escape. I have kind of wanted him to escape just to say aha he escaped yeah good guys win. But that's kind of the obvious. Every, kind of everybody wants to see that I guess you know good guys win in the story. Um, and except you. Yeah. Well. 
it's not it's not that I, I don't want to see that. It's it's just I want to see him. Yes, I want to see him escape, but I don't see a point to him trying to go back. Um, but it does, you know, kind of add to the the growing question of how much influence does whatever group that runs the village have if the fact that he can escape, get all the way back to London, mount an entire uh-huh. search, you know, you know, search in 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 the in the plane, and then get dumped back into the village. So, uh-huh. um, I, I I'm gonna give it. I guess I'd give it about seven and a half, maybe maybe eight crates full of uh, gun running guns. Okay. <laughs> okay. Really reinforced to me. Uh, I love this episode, actually. Uh, it was uh, one of the last episodes I ever saw. Oh, wow. In the order. Uh, I'm sure I've said this before, uh, but I bought the DV- I bought the VHSs yeah. in, a, in a strange order. <laughs> So uh, this it well uh, dance. This was the penultimate episode I saw. I watched in the episode, in the order I watched them in originally. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Cool. But uh, I've been and ahhing whether to give this a nine point five or a ten. <laughs> uh, I've been wrecking my brains whether I should give this a ten. Actually, I'm gonna give this. I will actually give this a ten. Right. Indeed. I'm going to give this a 10 empty villages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there might be more than one. Who knows? Indeed. You never know. You never know. Uh, but uh, thanks uh, for everyone for listening. I always would like to give a shout out to the band Do Not Forsake Me On My Darling, who let us, have, let us use their music for opening theme and closing theme. Uh, but... We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time for our next episode, which is "It's Your Funeral." Aha! Uh-huh. So, Aaron, what is what is is your funeral all about? If the line "It's Your Funeral" isn't muttered, then what's the point of the episode? Well, that's that's what he's asking. That, that's what right I'm now. saying. That's what I'm saying. If that, <laughs> if, that, if that line isn't uttered in the episode at, at some point in some way, then then what's the point of the episode? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, that that's part of what I'm saying. Somebody needs to utter that line. If that line's not uttered, then why bother naming the stupid episode that? Uh, okay. <laughs> Are you predicting that it's going to be somebody's I'm, funeral? I'm saying somebody's got to say it, and there's going to be something involving a funeral again, even though we've already seen uh, one quasi-funeral. Quasi-funeral. Well, I mean, there was the one the one thing that some guy was getting buried on the beach, wasn't he, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was most upset at that guy's funeral. Or was she, was she faking it the whole time? Possibly. Possibly, but we'll be back. Hopefully, fingers crossed, next time uh, we're back, we'll have, actually, we'll have a full compliment. Yay, one can hope. Yes, fingers I crossed. A, before you totally close things out, I have a question I want to pose to all of us here. Go ahead. Smart question about this episode. Go, 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 go. Take it, please. Okay, uh, Shane. Yes. Um... In your honest opinion, do you think that uh, that this was a village plot, or do you think, uh, for some reason, he actually was left behind in some kind of evacuation, and he actually really did escape, but they managed to get him back because Butterworth, you know, is an agent of the village, and she was living in his house? And then, same question to Aaron once Jane answers it. Well, I've made... I think I've made my case throughout the episode, and the and the fact he escapes so close yep. to his birthday as well. <laughs> okay. 
you know, as I said, coincidence upon coincidence upon coincidence here. Hmm. You know, it's you can only have so many coincidences until it seems to be, you know, a preset plan. Hmm. Okay. And Aaron, I, what do you think? Oh, oh, oh. I, 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 I no, think. Meh. I'm, I'm keeping quiet. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, I think, I think to a point, it was, uh, it was planned to a degree. Um, uh, that that I, I I think it's a little odd that the entire village would just be left completely empty and number six, the guy they're going after the entire time, the guy that they're so obsessed with doing, they're going to push science to the limits of probably what shouldn't be pushed, even when the scientist is telling them, no, it's not that testing, he's going to die if we do this. I think that uh-huh. it, w- it was planned to a degree, and then he may have gotten further than they possibly thought he would, and uh-huh. and so that's that's how he got dumped back off. I think it was it was a planned thing, and he might have gone further than they possibly intended to because we've seen number six time and time again foil their their plans. You know the the dream sequence, the you know yeah, the yeah. the the whole schizoid man th- with num- with number twelve being number six and number six thinking he's number twelve and you know that 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 yeah. circle spiral. So I think it was a planned set up by the village, but it may have gone in a different direction than they fully anticipated. Okay. Okay. And uh, to answer my own question, I suppose, um, I think I don't think this was planned at all. I think he actually was left behind by accident. And uh, well, for one reason, because of their directive that they have to be careful that he not be uh, permanently damaged or hurt. What he did was incredibly dangerous. And based on not just 1960s technology, but even the technology we've seen the village demonstrate that it has, I don't think there's any way they could attract him uh, while he was taking that journey. Uh, I don't think there's any way they could have predicted what he was going to do. I don't think that they realized that he was gone or had escaped until he showed up at his house and Mrs. Butterworth saw him. I think she was delaying him as much as she could so she could get people into place, getting him to stay the night there. Uh, and so then we have uh, Pint of Man showing up so he could infiltrate and replace the pilot because otherwise if it's planned, you don't need to have a guy come in and you know replace a pilot on the, on the down low. If it's his own guys, you don't need that. Uh, so I think uh, he was left behind him by accident and... I think it was just almost dumb luck that he went home and uh, Butterworth saw him and she was a village agent. So we have fully planned out, not at all planned out, in the middle of the road. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, I mean, at the end, I think they tried to sort of do this, uh, you know, oh, yeah. I think they tried to convince him that they were in control the whole time by having her flown out to the village and being number two. But I think that was damage control. That's my stand on it. Brilliant. And if you, if anybody's got any um, thoughts on this, please feel free to uh, email us or put, or put, give us a message on Facebook. Yeah, please. We don't we don't have to have commentary for that episode. This might be a this might be a good uh, poll for the Facebook group to see what people. Uh, that'd be good. Yeah, that'd oh, be good. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> brilliant. Excellent. Well, we'll uh, say goodbye now. Goodbye now. Goodbye now. And um, yeah, say <laughs> say uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> And I've only got Someone's one last cool. thing to I've only got one last thing to say before we go. 
Damn you, Showtime! I'll be seeing you. <laughs>